decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. And this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the public reading of Scripture and secondarily to my thoughts on various topics of the day. And Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community, so I want to point you over there to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Check out all the great curated podcasts, well over 50 podcasts. Curated, doctrinally sound, edifying, entertaining. Head on over there. Find something to listen to. Scroll chatter is only about an hour a day. You got 23 other hours you got to fill with stuff for your ears. Actually, that's an interesting thing. I was reading a, a thing the other day talking about how we keep ourselves distracted, that we always have noise around us. And that was an interesting thought. And I hadn't really thought about it, but you know, it's you're, you're, your radio's going, or you're listening to a podcast or music. I mean, as soon as you get in the car, you turn on the radio. When you're you're at home, you know, I mean, we often, you know, I'll walk in the room and there'll be something on television. And I'll say, what are you watching? And Janet will say, I don't know. It's just background. She just turned it on so there's noise. So somebody's talking or something, you know. And I'm the same way. And the article I was reading was talking about how that's detrimental to thought. Um, that we don't have undistracted time to think. So keep that in mind. Set aside some time to turn everything off and just think. That might be a good idea. Something we're thinking about anyway. Sound on or off. Okay, we are reading through the entire Legacy Standard Bible translation this year. And today's reading is Ezekiel 4 through 6, Psalm 82, and John 2. All right, let's go ahead and begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Hmm. Good sick sip of that Herb's House house blend coffee. Ah, good stuff. All right. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, 
Grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now Ezekiel chapter 4. Now as for you, son of man, get yourself a brick, and set it before you, and inscribe a city on it, Jerusalem. Then set a siege against it, build a siege wall against it, raise up a ramp against it, set up camps against it, and place battering rams against it all around. Now as for you, get yourself an iron plate, and set it up as an iron wall between you and the city, and establish your face toward it so that it is under siege, and besiege it. This is a sign to the house of Israel. Now as for you, lie down on your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You shall bear their iniquity for the number of days that you lie on it. Now I have set a number of days for you corresponding to the years of their iniquity, 390 days. Thus you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And you shall complete these, and you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have set it for you for forty days, a day for each year. Then you shall establish your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, with your arm bared, and prophesy against it. Now behold, I will set ropes upon you, so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have completed the days of your siege. Now as for you, take wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt. Set them in one vessel and make them into a bread for yourself. You shall eat it according to the number of the days that you lie on your side, 390 days. And your food which you eat shall be 20 shekels a day by weight. You shall eat it from time to time. The water you drink shall be a sixth part of a hen by measure. You shall drink it from time to time. You shall eat it as a barley cake, having baked it in their sight over human dung. Then Yahweh said, Thus will the sons of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations, where I will banish them. But I said, Ah, Lord Yahweh, behold, I have never been defiled. For from my youth until now I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, or has any offensive meat ever entered my mouth. Then he said to me, See, I will set for you cow's dung in place of human dung over which you will prepare your bread. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, behold, I am going to break the staff of bread in Jerusalem, and they will eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and they will drink water by measure and in desolation, because bread and water will be lacking, and they will be in desolation with one another and rot away in their iniquity. Chapter 5 Now as for you, son of man, take a sharp sword. Take and use it as a barber's razor on your head and beard. Then take scales for weighing and divide the hair. One-third you shall burn in the fire at the center of the city when the days of the siege are fulfilled. Then you shall take one-third and strike it with the sword all around the city. And one-third you shall scatter to the wind, and I will unsheathe the sword behind them. You shall also take a few in number from them and bind them in the edges of your robes. Take again some of them and throw them into the fire and burn them in the fire, for it will be a fire for it a from it a fire will spread to all the house of Israel. Thus says Lord Yahweh, This is Jerusalem. 
I have set her at the center of the nations with lands all around her. But she has rebelled against my judgments more wickedly than the nations and against my statutes more than the lands which are all around her. For they have rejected my judgment and have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says Lord Yahweh, Because you have more turmoil than the nations which are all around you and have not walked in my statutes nor done my judgments, nor done the judgments of the nations which are all around you. Therefore, thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I, even I am against you, and I will execute judgment among you in the sight of the nations. And I will do among you what I have not done, and the like of which I will never do again because of all your abominations. Therefore, fathers will eat their sons among you, and sons will eat their fathers. For I will execute judgment on you and scatter all your remnant to every wind." So as I live, declares Lord Yahweh, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable idols and with all your abominations, therefore I will also withdraw, and my eye will have no pity, and I will not spare. One third of you will die by plague, or be consumed by the famine among, the, among you. One third will fall by the sword around you, and one third I will scatter to every wind, and I will unsheathe a sword behind it. Thus my anger, anger will be spent, and I will cause my wrath against them to be at rest, and I will be appeased. Then they will know that I, Yahweh, have spoken in my zeal when I have sent my wrath upon them. Moreover, I will make you a ruin and a reproach among the nations which are all around you in the sight of all who pass by. So it will be a reproach, a reviling, a chastisement, and a desecration to the nations who are all around you when I execute judgments against you in anger, wrath, and wrathful reproofs. I, Yahweh, have spoken. When I send against them the deadly arrows of famine, which were for the destruction of those whom I will send to destroy you, then I will also intensify the famine upon you, excuse me, upon you and break the staff of bread. Moreover, I will send on you famine and wild beasts, and they will bereave you of children. Plague and bloodshed also will pass through you, and I will bring the sword on you. I, Yahweh, have spoken. Chapter 6. And the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. And say, Mountains of Israel, hear the word of Lord Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys, Behold, I myself am going to bring a sword on you, and I will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, and your incense altars will be broken. And I will make your slain fall in front of your idols. I will also put the dead bodies of the sons of Israel in front of their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around your altars. In all your places of habitation, cities will become waste, and the high places will be desolate that your altars may become waste and desolate, your idols may be broken and cease, your incense altars may be cut in pieces, and your works may be blotted out. The slain will fall among you, and you will know that I am Yahweh. However, I will leave a remnant, for you will have those who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered among the lands. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations, to which they will be carried captive, how I have been broken over their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me.
and by their eyes which have played the harlot after their idols. And they will loathe themselves to their own faces for the evils which they have done for all their abominations. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. I have not said in vain that I would do this calamitous evil against them. Thus says Lord Yahweh, strike your hands together, stamp your foot, and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, which will fall by the sword, by the famine, and by the plague, he who is far off will die by the plague, and he who is near will fall by the sword, and he who remains and is besieged will die by the famine. Thus I will spend my wrath on them. Then you will know that I am Yahweh when their slain are among their idols all around their altars, even on the high hill, on all the tops of the mountains, under every green tree and under every leafy, leafy oak, the places where they offered a soothing aroma to all their idols. So throughout all their habitations I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land more desolate and desecrated than the wilderness toward them. Dibla, toward the wilderness toward Dibla. Thus they will know that I am Yahweh. And now Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God takes his stand in the congregation of God. He judges in the midst of God's. How long will you judge unrighteously and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the poor and orphans. Justify the afflicted and destitute. Protect the poor and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know and do not understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said you are gods and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men and you will fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who will inherit all the nations. And now John chapter 2. And on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone jars set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing two or three measures each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water jars with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. Now when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the inferior wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this in Cana of Galilee as the beginning of his signs and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out, poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. 
And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this sanctuary, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It took forty-six years to build this sanctuary, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the sanctuary of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw his signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he had no need of anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. This is the word of the Lord. And now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the Collect for Grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Well, I don't have much to talk about today. Just a couple of things on my mind. It's going to be kind of another uh, second Monday meanderings on Tuesday. Um, I was reading an article yesterday about uh, the election coming up in two weeks. And uh, I believe two weeks from today is election day, November 8th. Is that two weeks from today? Look at the calendar, Gene. Let's see what the calendar says. Okay. Today is the 25th. Yep, two weeks from today is Election Day. Wow. Two weeks from today. <laughs> well, I was I was reading an article, um, and they're talking about all the different polls and everything, and, and things really are swinging toward the Republicans. And it's very likely that there will be a Republican takeover of the House and the Senate, which I do believe would be a good thing. And uh, like I said, it's not going to arrest the moral decline of the nation, but it might help us as far as the economy and and uh, foreign relations go, at least as far as, you know, please keep us out of the war in Ukraine. So the, the entire 101st, well, it used to be 101st Airborne. I think it's 101st Air Mobile now. Entire division has been moved to Europe. That's not a good sign. Now, on the one hand, 
I, I very much believe that if you would have peace, prepare for war. And so perhaps this is a show of force that will deter war. Um, it's the old thing of, you know, you don't pick, pick a fight with a black belt if you know he's a black belt because you don't <laughs> want to get beat up. So perhaps it's a good thing to preposition troops in order to deter an attack. But, yeah, don't want to get involved in that. Um, but speaking, getting back to the election, the thing that got on my, that, that I was reading yesterday was based upon the, how people are betting. Because you can bet on elections. You can bet on anything. Um, Las Vegas will make book on just about anything that people are willing to, to put their money on. And right now, the money is heavily on the Republicans retaking Congress. And that's just another predictor. Um, the interesting thing is the betting market is fairly accurate as to how elections will go. Um, which is another reason why 2020 raises so many red flags. All of the indicators were that Trump won. The betting market, the polling, the the bellwether states, all of the things that that normally indicate who won, all went Trump's way. Um, yeah, raise your eyebrows. It's worth thinking about. So, so yeah, the betting market is going that way too. So we got we got two weeks now until the election. Um. So get ready to vote. It's, it's an important, important thing. Um, and like I've, I've been saying for a long time, stop electing rhinos, stop electing Democrats, vote conservative. It is the best thing for you. It is the best thing for your neighbor. And love your neighbor as yourself. Um, be an informed voter. Uh, how, was it, how did Daryl Harrison put it, that the most dangerous thing in the world is an ignorant voter? Uh, there was a, and maybe I'll put it in the show notes, there was a discussion at Grace Community Church, a panel discussion with Greg Frazier, who is the head of the Humanities Department at um, the Masters University and is the history professor there. Um, I've got several of his books, excellent Excellent historian. Um, but Greg Frazier, Daryl Harrison, and Phil Johnson were interviewed by Brad Clawson on politics in the coming election. And that discussion was very worthwhile. And I will link it in the show notes so that you can uh, look at that um, or listen to it. I think it's just audio. Um, I watched, I, I caught about the last third of it live because they live streamed it. Um, but I wasn't able to watch all of it. And then I went back and Sunday or Monday, what day did we? Yeah, it was Sunday coming home from church that uh, I listened to it. Um, 
and and I want to listen to it again, but I'll link that in the show notes so that you can listen to it because they're, they said some very thought-provoking things about how to choose candidates to support. What's the role in the church in, you know, endorsing or not endorsing candidates? How, how should churches um, address these issues? Um, and of course, I speak to you here on Squirrel Chatter, not as the representative of any church. I, I give you my own opinions. Um, and so when I say, you know, stop electing Democrats and stop electing rhinos, vote conservative, that's not some sort of church endorsement. That is my own personal opinion about what's best for the nation. So I will link that. And then yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon, I had something exciting happen. Um, back in February, I looked it up. I sent this watch off to be repaired. This is, let me get it close to the camera so you can get a look at it. This is a 1945 example of a World War II A11. I know it's 45 because it says on the back when it was made. So this is one of the final runs of this during the war. This is a World War II A11 watch. This was the watch. It's known as the watch that won the war. This was the American military issue watch, specifically a pilot's watch. This was a watch that was issued to pilots um, and air crews. And in all those old war movies where you see the bomber pilots get together and they say, okay, let's synchronize our watches. This is the watch <laughs> that they would have been wearing. Um, and there were three manufacturers. It was a government contract that specified the things that this watch, the features of this watch clear and legible numbers that uh, um, are easy to read. There's no other markings on the dial, you notice. It's just got the numbers and some some tick marks around the edge. But it doesn't have anything in the center of the dial, which just makes it really, really easy to read. So it's it's quickly and easily read. Um, that was one of the, one of the requirements. Um, some were white dials with black numbers. Some were black dials with white numbers. Um, and uh, so this was a watch that was made for World War II. And I bought it. Um, now, there were three manufacturers that made this. The government came out with the contract. And there were three manufacturers who put these watches together. Um, Bulova, Elgin, and Watham or Waytham, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but these were American watch manufacturers. There are no American watch manufacturers anymore. This kind of goes back to what I was saying yesterday about how we have exported all of our industry. These watches were made in the United States. They're considered one of the finest examples of watchmaking, especially for the time. They're very small watches. This is about the size of a quarter. Yeah, here's a quarter, for example. It's about the size of a quarter. 
watches were much smaller then. And, uh, but I, I, I bought this watch off of eBay knowing it didn't run, paid about 50 bucks for it just because I wanted, uh, an example of a World War II watch for my collection. Um, cause as I said, this is a very important watch historically. And when you're both a watch nerd and a history nerd, <laughs> You, you kind of look at watches that are historically significant as watches you want to add to your collection. But I got this watch knowing it didn't run. And on examining it, it became pretty clear to me that somebody had used this watch as a parts watch. They had bought it to scavenge parts off of to repair another watch but then had put the broken parts from the other watch in this watch. So the whole, the complete movement was there, even though it was broken. And so I did a little research and I found Watch Repair USA, a watch watchmaker clearinghouse. And so I sent it off for a bid. What would it cost to fix this thing? And, and so they, they came back with a bid that for a few hundred dollars, they could fix it and have it running. Now, running examples of these watches, especially in original condition, are, you know, $1,000 or more. And, of course, this is not original condition because it has been worked on and parts replaced and everything. But for just a few hundred dollars, I thought, yeah, I could have a running Waltham A11 World War II watch. And so I sent it off to have it fixed, and I got it back yesterday. And it's gorgeous. It really is gorgeous. Since I was having it repaired, and I knew it wasn't going to have the value that an original would, um, as far as all the parts being original, I had them replace the crystal as well. So the, the crystal was, it's an acrylic crystal. They did that so they wouldn't break. So it's not a glass crystal, it's acrylic. And um, being acrylic, they scratched. So the crystal was really scratched up. I mean, it's a 1945 watch. And if you see the case, I don't know if you can see it. You can see the, the nickel plating is, is chipped and coming off. The... Uh, these watches, like I said, they were World War II. They were actually inexpensively made so that the cases are not steel. They're brass, and they're nickel-plated brass, and not, you know, so this watch, it's, it's you know, the plating is coming off. There's scratches in the plating, and I can assure you there were scratches in the lens in the uh, the crystal too, so I had it replaced. Um, so now I have a running World War II Waltham A11 wristwatch um, to add to my collection, and I have a, a a canvas strap and everything for it that I will I will put on it and add it to my collection. Um, just a, a great example to. Uh, to have, to look at. I'm not going to wear it. It's not a watch I'm going to be wearing. Um, I think it's, it's 
too historically significant to be walking around wearing a watch like this, although certainly you could. It, it's functional. It's keeping pretty good time. Um, I set it yesterday, and it looks like it may have gained about a minute over this wristwatch. Let's see what it does. Uh, let me pull up my... Uh, my clock here on the phone and see what the uh okay it's about two minutes fast since i set it last night which you know for a let's see 70 year old watch 75 year old watch isn't too bad um wrist watches really are for for men Wristwatches are a product of 20th century warfare. If you wear a wristwatch, um, even if it's you know a modern Apple watch or something like that, that only goes back. Uh, really, I think the first ones appeared in the Crimean War, late 1800s, um, and the first watches, wristwatches, were pocket watches mounted on straps so that you could conveniently have the watch there. And this was a military convenience so to keep your hands free. And watches allowed coordinated attacks without the use of audio or video signaling which would tip off the enemy. If you go back in history, if you were going to have an attack from either side, there would be a signal, a, a, a rocket or a cannon shot or something that would set off the attack so that everybody on both sides, because you couldn't, you know, they had no radios or anything, that you could coordinate an attack. Well, watches allowed you to do that without tipping off the enemy. Because you could say, we are going to attack at 6.15. And the commanders, at least, of the individual units would have watches that would allow them to attack uh, in a coordinated way. And so this is first, first appeared, I think, in the Crimean War. But then World War I was really when they called them trench watches. And they began as, again, pocket watches attached to straps. But very quickly, they began to make watches specifically for wristwatches. And so that was when the watch started coming in. But then World War II, as I said, this was, this was a pilot's watch. And it says on the back, AFUS Army. Air Force, U.S. Army. It was an Army Air Force watch. And then it has all the specifications and everything for what it was to be, how it was to function. But this was, they were originally designed for pilots so they could coordinate attacks. But so many of them were made, they, they became, you know, they, they quickly made their way out into the field and were worn by soldiers at D-Day and all through the war by American soldiers in the Pacific and in the Atlantic, and many of them were made. Well, that was probably the first timepiece 
that many of these young men had ever owned. And they continued to wear them after the war. And when you look at the sheer numbers of people who were in military during World War II, you can see how that's where the wristwatch moved into modern, you know, everyday carry for the for for most men to wear a wristwatch, um, and it, it just became you know part of everyday wear, and that trend continued up until the cell phone. Um, when the cell phone came in, people, the, the, the everyday wear of watch began to fade until the Apple Watch came out. Now everybody's wearing an Apple Watch, which is a piece of consumer electronics that is obsolete when it's delivered to your house. And I've got one. I, I like my Apple Watch. It has some very nice features to it. It's sitting right here on the charger. But I, I rarely wear it anymore. And the reason I wear, rarely wear it anymore is I, I love my watches. And I, I, I was wearing my Apple Watch for a while, and it just I was missing my wristwatches. <laughs> and so I went back to wearing mechanical watches. Um, so I'm a, I'm a watch nerd, and I'm a history nerd. You know, I don't have a lot of watches. I certainly don't have a lot of expensive watches. Um, but, you know. And, and I don't have jewelry watches. My watches are tool watches. A tool watch is a watch for a purpose. A jewelry watch is, you know, the gaudy gold diamond encrusted things that are thirty, forty thousand dollars or more. Those are ridiculous. I'm never gonna never, even if I had the money, something like that would not make its way into my collection. I want tool watches. I want pilots' watches. I want divers' watches. I want watches that were made for a specific actual purpose. I want working watches. Watches that were designed for a profession or an activity, that that will, you know, have a use. Um, my everyday watch is a, a Cabot Watch Company G22, which is a British field watch. It's a it's a a field watch very similar in characteristic to the old A11. It's a smaller watch by modern standards. Still bigger than the A11, but not by much. Um, clear, easy to read dial and numbers. Um, you know, not a hugely expensive watch, and keeps good time. And this is my everyday watch. And but it's a tool watch. It's a field watch. It's a it's a watch that's designed for the the military use. Um, and those are the kind of watches I like, or tool watches. You know, you know, like I said, pilots' watches, divers' watches. Those are the kinds of watches that I appreciate the most. And uh, that's what most of the watches in my collection, I would say all of the watches in my collection, would fit into that category. Um, only have a couple of quartz watches, not, 
Most of my watches are, are now quartz watches are much more accurate than mechanical watches. Um, reason being that the, the, the quartz crystal, the, the technology behind them, much more modern, much more accurate. This is one of my few quartz watches. Um, this is a Bulova um, Lunar Pilot watch. And physically, uh, in appearance, it's identical to a watch worn by the commander of Apollo 15 during a moonwalk because the crystal of his NASA-issued Omega Speedmaster had popped out. And so when he did his EVA, he wore his own Bulova moon lunar pilot watch, which had been Bulova's entry into the moon watch competition, but had lost out to the Omega Speedmaster as the, the issue watch of the day. And Bulova recently reissued this commemorative uh, watch um, because it was August of 71 was when he wore this watch. August 2nd of 1971. So last summer in 2021 as a the Bulova issued this watch. Um, the original watch was a mechanical watch hand wound just like the Omega Speedmaster. Um, this watch is quartz, but I, I got it for the look. And, you know, it's, it's a commemorative watch and it has the date of the EVA and everything on the back. But the, the Bulova quartz watch mechanism was very much a part of the space program because every space capsule from Mercury through Gemini through Apollo, their dash clock, the clock on the instrument panel, was driven by a Bulova Accutron quartz movement. Um, and so it is a, it's a highly accurate watch. So the quartz movement has, you know, the Bulova Accutron movement has history with the space program. And then the design of this watch goes back to Apollo 15 you know, in its significance because it was worn by the ca uh, commander Scott during the EVA, the third EVA on August 2nd, 1971 in the Halley-Rill Apennines. And it gives the, the latitude and longitude of where it was on the moon but Apollo 15 was August 20, or excuse me, July 20, 19, July 26, 1971 was the day it launched. That was my dad's birthday. To August 7th, 1971. And like I said, this was the an homage to that watch. So just one of the few quartz watches in my collection. Most of my watches are, are mechanical. Um, because there's just something about those mechanical watches. They don't need batteries. Um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the intricacies of, of how they work. 
the the what they call the watch train. The watch train is the series of of gears and balances that take the power from the spring and transmit it to the watch in order to tell time. And it's just a fascinating bit of technology. Um, the history of which is really wonderful. Um, so I'm I'm a I'm a history nerd and a watch nerd, and those passions overlap in quite a way. All right, folks, I got a lot to do today. You probably have a lot to do today, too, so I'm going to let you go. Get on with your Tuesday. Hope you have a great day. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.